0: would turn uh, in your bulletin to page four to take a look at Galatians. That's where we're going to be tonight as Paul kicks off uh, really his magnum opus. I know people say Romans, uh, but uh, Romans is great, uh, especially in light of Galatians. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would reveal your word to us that indeed this night uh, we might see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Normally when Paul writes a letter, uh, he sort of eases into it. He says really nice things like, I really miss you, and how was so-and-so. And he might go through a litany of things that he has some concerns about, but he couples that with things that he's really happy about in the church to which he's writing. Uh, in fact, uh, I used to do this in high school because it was the manipulative thing to do, and that is guys would always sign their letters to girls they were interested in, Philippians 1.3. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, that's, of course, not what Paul was meaning for it to be used. But, but that was sort of the tone of Paul in his letters. You could tell, uh, I love you. I might have some concerns or I'm really trying to hammer away at a message. Uh, but I love you. But in Galatians, right out of the gate, he's mad. He's angry. In fact, it almost seems as if he's trying to be nice because he says, uh, he says, uh Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then one verse later, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Jesus who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Uh, So right out of the gate, Paul is incredibly unhappy with the Galatians. What's Paul unhappy about? Well, one, Paul starts out, not grace and peace to you from God our Father as he normally does. He says, my name is Paul. And I'm an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Well, there were some people that had gone to, uh, Galatia, which is this, uh, basically if you looked at Turkey and you cut a swath down the middle, uh, that's where the Galatians were. And so you've got some pretty big ancient towns there like Lystra and Derby and, uh, uh, Iconium is there. So there, it's a pretty happening place. And Paul has gone and he's planted the church there. They've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. God in his mercy has caused their hearts to open and respond to him. And so now uh, they've moved from that away from that. Why? Because there have been other preachers who have come in, namely from the church in Jerusalem, and they've distorted the gospel. And they've tried to undermine Paul's ministry. They've tried to do that in two ways. First, they've said, it's not enough to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have to add something to it. Yes, Jesus died for your justification, but if you want to continue in Him, now there are things that you have to do. Namely, you need to be circumcised and you need to follow the Mosaic Law. Now, What Paul understands and that the church in the Galatians didn't understand is that to add to the gospel is to subtract. If you add anything to Jesus Christ and his grace and mercy, even the smallest thing, it's been totally spoiled. Uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Lauren and I were there for just a couple months, and there was a cheese across from the river, uh, across the river from us, and it was the largest, what was the food poisoning that happened there? Botulism. It was the largest outbreak of botulism in the history of the United States, so much that people actually died from it. Now, let's say that you finally get enough confidence to go back to the, uh, to that cheese, and you're a little bit worried about it, But the waitress says to you, uh, we've come a long way since our botulism outbreak and we want you to know that there's only a small amount of botulism in the taco you're about to eat. (laughs) What what would you do? You'd throw it out, right? You, You wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole because how much botulism is too much botulism? Any, any. And the same thing is true that if you're adding anything to Jesus Christ, you're taking away. You've, you've spoiled the whole dish. Not only that, but the people and the preachers were coming and saying, who is this Paul? We have sat at the feet of James and Peter. And we've learned from them. Now, of course, Peter and James would... Distance themselves from these Judaizers, these people who uh, were Pharisees become Christians. Uh, but they had misheard the message and gone and said, no, you, you must uh, behave and act this way. I mean, Paul, remember him? He persecuted the church. Right? He was the one who was going to Damascus to kidnap Christians and bring them back for trial in Jerusalem. Uh, He was a man who was no respecter of the law and would stop at nothing uh, in his zeal to persecute the church. And you're going to listen to him? Well, Paul says, my name is Paul and I am an apostle. Now, when he uses the word apostle, he means capital A. He doesn't mean little a. Today, uh, the word literally means messenger, someone who goes out. So uh, the, the PR people for chi in Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, are apostles uh, in that sense. The good news that you don't have to worry about botulism anymore. But Paul was an apostle with a capital A. What does that mean? It was a very specific office in the church, an office that no longer exists. I mean, in a sense, you and I are apostles, too, and that we're carrying the good news out into the world. Uh, but in order to be an apostle in the early church, you had to have experienced the physically resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why it was so important for Jesus to manifest himself to Thomas. Remember, he went to the upper room. Thomas wasn't there. Who knows where he was, but he wasn't there. And so Jesus went another time and said, see, here I am. And when Judas had to be replaced, they only considered people who had witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you say, wait a minute, but Paul wasn't there at the tomb. He wasn't in the upper room. But when he was on his way to Damascus, What happened? Jesus manifested himself physically to Paul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He had a real physical encounter with the risen Lord Jesus. And the gospel that has been given to Paul is not something that Paul invented or he came up with on his own, because we saw what Paul was like in his ministry if he was left to his own devices. But because God intervened in his life, he was given this gospel that is not from men, but from Jesus Christ. He even says, this comes not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ. Now that is true, that the faith that we've received and the gospel message that we've received is not from men, it's from Jesus. Now I'm ordained uh, to preach and to celebrate the sacraments of the church, administer them, uh, but uh, is my authority... Through man or is it through God? Well, yes, I'm called by God, but actually I derive my authority from the church, right? The church has come together. So the claim that Paul is making is it wasn't the church that decided I should be an apostle. Uh, It was God himself, uh, Jesus Christ, on that road uh, to uh, Damascus. Well, this gospel message, what is it? And why is it so important to St. Paul? Well, he defines what this gospel message is right in verse 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. One of the first questions that I ask anybody, who is interviewing for a clergy position here at the Advent, is this. What is the gospel? Now, I ask that question because if they get it wrong, we can just put them back on the plane and we haven't wasted a weekend. Uh, And you would be astonished uh, by some of the answers that I get. Uh, Some people will say, well, the gospel is love your neighbor with everything that you have and God with everything that you have. Or, well, it's the story that begins in Genesis with the creation of the world and they sort of try to give you this overarching meta-narrative of the Scriptures. I would be perfectly satisfied with the following answers and absolutely encouraged. God made sin who knew no sin that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to the end that all that believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. What does the Greek word actually mean? Good news. Now, should we love God with everything that we have? And should we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? Absolutely. But is that good news? Is that god knows our struggles that's why in our communion service we respond when we give you the summary of the law we respond with lord have mercy why because we know that we don't love god with everything we have and it's everything in my power to not judge my neighbor who still hasn't taken down that fallen tree in their backyard right right in fact that's a reminder of how much i don't love my neighbor And so the gospel is absolutely pure and it is absolutely simple. uh, And yet it's so easy to stray from and to add to because people think, surely that's not enough. Now, there's no such thing as a new heresy. If you find a new heresy in the church, I'm pretty sure we can find somebody who got burned for the stake a long time ago for it. uh, Because these things tend to stick around. And so, this adding of the gospel to the gospel is not just a problem for the Galatians, it's a problem for us today. And it normally manifests itself in three ways. In very conservative churches, it tends to manifest itself in rules and regulations. So, that is, you may hear from the pulpit God's free grace to you through Jesus Christ that you absolutely cannot earn. It's free. It's a gift. Here it is. And then you become a Christian, and they go, yoink! And they're like, now that you're a Christian, it's not free anymore, here's what you've got to do to remain in it. Right? You, uh, normally, I mean, it, it's the usual suspects. When I went off to college, I thought I was a good Christian so long as I didn't drink, do drugs, or sleep around. And so long as I was able to maintain that lifestyle, or lack thereof, uh, then, I, then I remained in the Christian faith. I misunderstood the gospel and it equated it with just living right. And uh, liberal churches, it tends to be this. It doesn't matter how you behave. It doesn't matter. Well, actually, it does matter how you, but so long as you're a good person, you're going to be all right with God. God just really wants you to try really hard to be nice and God will reward you for it. Uh, and actually, in our tradition, in Anglicanism, uh, it tends to be uh, equating things of tertiary or worse importance with things of primary importance. Uh, so you tend to get caught up on uh, ritual or something like that. So when I was being ordained, uh, Fitz Allison, the retired bishop of South Carolina, was there. And I asked him, Bishop, what kind of advice would you impart to me someone who's newly ordained. And I was ready for 50 years of ordained ministry to come channeling through him to me and this earth-shattering advice. And he thought about it and he looked at me and he said, Andrew, you can preach heresy from from the pulpit in the Episcopal Church and nobody will say a thing. But if you start moving the furniture around, they will tear your rear end up. And he's right. Why? Because we've equated those things with primary things, and none of those is the gospel. They've all been tainted. So to say Jesus does His part, but now that He's done His part, it's up to you to take up the cross and do the rest of it takes away from the free gift of God, and it becomes not about Jesus, but it becomes about you. Or to simply say, just be a good person. Well, I'm doomed, right? Let's go back to the how you loving your neighbor. How are you serving God with everything that you have? Are we? Lord, have mercy. Or to equate it with ritual or another extreme example would be the Amish, right? Well, what makes you Amish? Well, you drive a horse and buggy and you wear all the clothes and the hat and and all that stuff. Is, is Is that the gospel? Well, of course not. The gospel, pure and simple is that Jesus Christ gave himself up for our sins to deliver us from sin and death according to the will of our God and follower. Full stop. So if you've been a Christian for a number of years and you think, I'm ready for the 201 class. I'm ready for the 300 level. I'm ready for the 400 level. Go back to go. Go back to start. When you find yourself struggling in the Christian life, thinking that you're very far away from God, you don't buckle down. You preach to yourself the gospel. You remind yourself of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And if you can't earn God's love, then you can't unearn God's love. Paul goes so far as to say, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, Let him be accursed. Let him be eternally damned. There's a story that C.H. Spurgeon uh, tells an illustration and he says to his congregation, imagine if you will, an angel of the Lord appears to you and says, ah, my friend, Mr. Spurgeon, I have something to say to you. I don't want to hear it. You don't want to hear what I have to say to you, and an angel of the Lord, but aren't you the least bit interested? No, I am not. But Mr. Spurgeon, I'm here to tell you that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Spurgeon said, get behind me, Satan, and go back to the pit of hell from whence you came. For before I heard your words, I put my trust in Jesus Christ and his shed blood and his word, and now... I take the word of an angel for it. It's a pretty vivid image. uh, And yet, uh, it's true. And so even for me, next Sunday I'm preaching on somewhat the same thing in the morning services, that even if I begin to preach to you a gospel other than what we've received and what we read here in Galatians, you should take me down. You, You should physically keep me from entering into the pulpit as I said this morning, don't kill me. Don't you know? Don't kill me. But uh, but you would have every right to stand in the way. Why? Because people's lives are on the line. Uh, the, the message of the gospel is uh, life-changing. Uh, it's earth-shattering. It turns the world uh, upside down. It, it changes you and changes me. God's love for us is not yes and no, but it is 100% yes and amen. And all the promises of God. In Jesus Christ. And so when we preach and when we talk about the gospel, and not just preachers, but I preach so that you can preach. We're not seeking the approval of man, but we're seeking the approval of God. For if we tried to seek the approval of man, we would not be servants of Christ. And so I would have you know this evening that the very simple message of the gospel is this. Jesus' great love for sinners. Now, if you know that in your heart, uh, it makes your heart sing. Because you realize that the only thing that can wash away your sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that makes you whole again is the blood of Jesus Christ. It cleanses you. Uh, and nothing but the blood of Jesus is going to make you you write with God, the only thing that will atone for your sins, not the good that you've done, but His blood. And everything in Him is your hope and peace and your righteousness only by the blood of Jesus Christ. My friends, put your trust in Jesus and Him alone. And listen not to the world, even people who wear collars and you, they think that they know what they're talking about. If they're preaching anything other then the gospel of Jesus Christ, run as fast as you can in the direction of His gospel and preach to yourself what Jesus Christ has done for you. Let us pray. Lord, by Your mercy, by Your blood, You have made us Your children. And Lord, we realize that all those who have been given to You cannot be snatched out of Your hand. And so, Lord, we pray that that you would come in your mercy by the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would remind us of how precious we are in your sight because of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would believe unfailingly uh, your gospel, your good news to us through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.